we finished up First Thessalonians and just progressing right along. Kind of, kind of more of the same right here, especially in this first chapter. These two books would have been written pretty closely together. There probably was not much time that passed from when Paul wrote the first letter of Thessalonians and when he wrote the second one. This would have been around 50 A.D., so approximately 20 years or so after Jesus uh, was crucified and resurrected. Paul, of course, and many others are mentioned with him, doing the work of the Lord and preaching the gospel and the good news. Of course, Paul makes lots of, lots of journeys around to different places. That's where we see these letters. These are different places that people he knows, and he's writing back letters to them, maybe for encouragement or correction. Uh, but he seems to speak pretty well of the people of Thessalonica in the first book. He did address some issues that were going on. There was some uh, immorality that was taking place there. There appeared to be some who were lazy and not wanting to work. Uh, and he continues on kind of with that theme even in this book, at least the part about some not wanting to work. He talks about that toward the end of this letter. Uh, we don't see the mention of, of immorality in Second Thessalonians, so... Uh, possibly the letter that he first sent to him may have been effective in, in, in addressing that issue. But one issue that we uh, saw that was common throughout First Thessalonians was the coming of the Lord, this idea of the coming of the Lord. We saw that in every chapter that we looked at. And we see that theme uh, that's kind of, kind of carried over into Second Thessalonians. Now, uh, when we get into chapter 2... Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a difficult chapter because it speaks of the man of sin and the man of lawlessness, and there are, there are some different interpretations and views as to what that may, what that may uh, who that may be and, and when they may have been around or when they may be around in the future. We'll talk about that when we get into 2 Thessalonians 2. Uh, probably, this may change, but probably next week we'll kind of have a breakout session, if we can call it, where we'll just focus on the day of the Lord. And so we'll talk about that, because that's a phrase we've seen some uh, here in First and Second Thessalonians. Uh, we also see that phrase in the Old Testament, and so we'll talk about some of the uses and instances of the day of the Lord and what that looks like uh, when we see the day of the Lord mentioned. Uh, and so we'll talk about that next week, and then probably the week after we will get into... 2 Thessalonians 2. But tonight we'll be in 2 Thessalonians 1. We will, uh, Lord willing, get through the whole chapter and uh, see what God has to say to us. So let's pray and then we'll jump in. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for these words and I thank you for the freedom we have to come in here tonight and to gather and hear these words. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us that we would hear what your word says, that we would not be distracted or thinking about things of the world, dear Lord. We all got stuff on our mind, but just let us give you these few minutes. Help me to do a good job, dear Lord. I can't do anything if you don't help me, so I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would help me to preach and teach good and help us all to hear what your word has to say. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Second <clears throat> Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy to the church of the Thessalonians and God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, 
this book starts out in the same way that we saw 1 Thessalonians start out. Uh, Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy. Now, some of your translations may say uh, Silas there. The same person. This is the same person we see uh, with Paul throughout some of Paul's missionary journeys. We see some of the same names that are mentioned. And here we see that it appears that Paul and Silas, or Silvanus, and Timothy are with Paul when he is writing this letter. And who is it to? Well, we see who it's to. It's to the Thessalonians, the brothers and sisters in Christ that are in Thessalonica. It's a it's an encouraging uh, intro to the letter. Grace to you and peace from our God. Now, obviously, Paul thinks uh, pretty highly of the people at Thessalonica. I mean, he loves them. That's pretty clear that we've seen in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. And, and they were doing pretty good, apart from you know a few issues he had to address. Paul was really proud because they were standing firm in the Lord in the midst of some persecution that was taking place. Paul was encouraging them to to stand firm and was encouraged to see that they had been standing firm and not not turning away from Jesus Christ in the midst of whatever persecution that they were going through. And we see in verse 3, We must always thank God for you brothers. Now, let's stop there for a second. This is good, to be able to thank God. We need to do that. We saw that at the end of, of, of 1 Thessalonians, that we need to be thankful to God, that we need to rejoice, that we need to pray always. These, these types of things are what the Christian needs to do. We need to be thankful to God. Now, maybe we don't thank God enough. Chances are that we probably thank God from time to time, but our prayer life may, be, uh, may have more God help me than, than they do God I thank you. Now, it's good for us to go to God and say, God help me, God forgive me, God I need you. God, I'm struggling with this. I mean, we should go to God in those things, but we don't want to forget to thank God because we have a lot to thank God for. Now, even on our worst days, we need to try to find something to thank God for, and there's, there's, there's some joy, there's some refreshing that comes when we thank the Lord. There's, there's some praise there, I think. When we thank the Lord, we are praising the Lord for something He has done. Even on our worst days, it might be a good, a good practice for us to get into is to say, okay, Help me not to be overwhelmed with all the tough stuff that I'm going through, but God, I thank you for this. And find something good. Maybe it's for your wife, for your husband. Maybe it's for your grandchildren. It may be something really small or maybe something really big, but when we are thankful to God, then that's a good place for us to be. And here, Paul is thankful to God for the people of, uh, of um, Thessalonica, and he says so. Uh, we always thank God for you, brothers. This is right, since your faith is flourishing and the love each one of you has for one another is increasing. Therefore, we ourselves boast about you among God's churches, about your endurance and faith and all the persecution and afflictions you endure. It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are also suffering. Now, why is Paul thankful for the people of Thessalonica? Well, he says it. Because they're growing in the Lord, they're flourishing, their love is increasing. And not only that, but they are continuing to stand firm in the face of persecution and tribulation, affliction, all of these things that they are going through, they are not turning from the Lord. Now, this is important for us to remember. From the time that Jesus came on the scene, Jesus faced persecution. He faced all kind of difficulties trying to do the work of the Lord. And ultimately, 
his, his life was given uh, by him and taken by those who hated him. And that's, that's Christianity. That is, that is what happened. Jesus said, look, I'm coming onto the scene and they're going to do this to me. Well, guess what? They're going to do that to my followers too. If we're going to be followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know that, that the walk to do what God calls us to is not always an easy walk. Now, we're pretty blessed here in the United States that we, we may not face as much affliction and persecution for our faith as others, but we do probably in some instances face persecution and affliction and tribulation because of our faith. And there's a good chance that that could get even more difficult and more prevalent in the life of the Christian, that we can face more persecution, more tribulation, more affliction. So what will we do should those days come on us? Will we be those who are faithful to stand for the Lord? Will we get angry with the Lord when times really get tough? Because it's easy for us to sit here in our air condition with things good in our life and say, I will never, I will never turn from the Lord. But man, when hard times hit people, even good, strong Christian people, that's when it, that's when it really our faith is tested. That's when we really see for sure, okay, do I really trust in the Lord? Now, hopefully we never have to go through that. But the reality is we may have to go through serious affliction and tribulation and persecution in our life. And that's what was going on in the life of the people at Thessalonica. And things have not changed. From 50 A.D. to 2022 A.D., guess what? Things have not changed. As Ecclesiastes will remind us, there is nothing new under the sun. It is not easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is, it is, it is, it is joy, joyful to be a follower of Jesus Christ. It is happy for us to be a follower of Jesus Christ. But it is not always easy. It does not come without sometimes persecution, affliction, and tribulation. But the people of Thessalonica were standing firm in the midst of all of these things. And so what does Paul say? He says, we ourselves boast about you among the churches, about your endurance and faith in all the persecutions and afflictions you endure. So Paul is boasting about the people of Thessalonica. Why? Because they're doing good for the Lord. <clears throat> That's not to say that they're not perfect, that they don't have problems in that, in that body of believers in Thessalonica. I mean, Paul's already addressed some of those. But, but as a whole, it seems as though the people are doing, they're doing very well. I mean, their love for one another is growing. Their, their, their faithfulness to the Lord is standing strong. And so Paul, when he sees other believers, other churches, he boasts about the people of Thessalonica. Hey, do you see the people of Thessalonica? Let me tell you what they're doing. They're standing firm. And that's encouragement, encouragement possibly for other churches too. Hey, maybe one day you'll go through the same persecution. Well, look at the people of Thessalonica. They are doing the Lord's work and they are doing good to stand firm on the Lord. Maybe this is good for us to remember. So when those days of persecution should come in our life, we can remember, hey, we want to be those who stand firm in the Lord. It's good for a body of believers to have a good reputation in the community. It's good when somebody can say about a church, hey, that church is doing good for the Lord. Now, maybe it's enduring persecution. Maybe it's just some work that a church does. But it is a good thing when others around can look at a church and say, that church is doing good for the Lord. <clears throat> now, we have to be careful because we want to be, our, our congregation and hopefully any other congregation of believers should want to be those who do the good work for the Lord. 
But we have to be careful. We don't ever want to boast in ourselves and anything that, that we do. But perhaps there are some like Paul that see us or see other churches and boast in, in those churches and say, hey, they are doing a good job. One, we should never do things that we do to seek that people would boast in us. That should not be our motivation. And that's where we have to be careful. And that's where even when we do things with a good heart and a right heart, we may see people in the community, and not just us, but any church. Any church may see people in the community, and people in the community may begin to say, hey, you guys are doing a good job. We have to be really careful. That's a trap of the devil. Not that they're saying that. There's nothing sinful for somebody acknowledging when a body of believers does good. But it can be a trap for us because we can begin to get full of ourselves and think, yeah, we are doing pretty good. And it's easy for our motivation then to become not serving the Lord, but hopes of running into somebody else in the community who will say to us, I hear you're doing good. All right, another person told me. Well, let me make sure I, I boast about what we're doing so other people will know, so more people can tell me. We have to be careful we don't do that. It's good if people can boast in us. Praise the Lord if we are doing good for the Lord. But we never want to do it just so that people will boast in us. We always want to do it for the glory of God. And so we have to be careful that we don't fall into that trap. But Paul was boasting in the people of Thessalonica, and it appears rightly so because they were doing good for the Lord. <clears throat> it says in verse 5, It is clear evidence of God's righteous judgment that you will be counted worthy of God's kingdom for which you are also suffering. Okay, so there's going to be, as we're about to see, some reward. They're going to be counted worthy of the kingdom of God. Why? Because they're suffering for the kingdom of God. They are worthy of the kingdom of God because they are standing in their faith. They're not turning from God. They're not denying God. They're not saying the, tough is, the, the going has got tough, so I'm going to get going. No, and because they are suffering and going through these things and standing firm, they are counted worthy. They are following the very example of Jesus Christ. And so should we follow the example of Jesus Christ and the example of Paul and the example of the people of Thessalonica, that we are those who would be counted worthy, not because of anything we do, but because we keep our faith in Jesus Christ in the midst of persecution. It's because of our faith that we are counted worthy. And so we want to be those who, who stand strong in the faith. And so Paul says, look, uh, this is good. Uh, it's clear evidence of God's righteous judgment. Uh, and what does that judgment entail? Well, those who are of God who keep the faith, God will deliver. But those who do not keep the faith will experience God's wrath. That is justice. And so Paul <laughs> says, it's a good thing that these things are taking place. Because A, those who are persecuting you are going to pay the price. But you are going to uh, experience the reward of God and the deliverance of God. And that's what he says here in the next couple of verses. Verse 6, Since it is righteous for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you, and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. Okay, so this is a good word of encouragement to the people of Thessalonica. They are going through hard times, but Paul says, hey, don't worry. This is good. It's good that you are suffering for the Lord because God will one day deliver you. And hey, don't be discouraged that the enemy looks like they are getting the upper hand. Sometimes it looks like the enemy is getting the upper hand. But don't be discouraged. God always has the upper hand. It doesn't mean that we won't have to suffer sometimes, but the enemy will never get the final word. 
So be encouraged, Paul says. In the midst of your afflicted, you will be counted worthy to be sons and daughters of God because you're standing strong on your faith and you will one day be with God. Those who afflict you, well, they're going to get what's coming to them. But you, what does he say? He says, and to you, uh, and to reward with rest you who are afflicted along with us. Okay, so there's going to be a reward for those who keep their faith in Jesus Christ and who stand strong in the midst of hardship and persecution and say, nope, I'm going to choose Jesus over affliction. I'm going to choose Jesus over the things of the world. For those who do that, there is a great reward. And when, what is that reward? It is rest. That's what we want, right? Rest. I mean, you look around, even physically, we work. We got stuff going on. I could probably ask every one of you, are you tired? And probably you are. You may be tired because you're just coming over some sickness. You may be tired because your wife's got you working too hard. You may be tired because your husband's got you doing too much stuff. You may be tired because you punch the clock and you go to work early and you get home late. I mean, there's lots of reasons why we are tired. Physically speaking, we are all tired. Won't it be great when the day comes that we don't have to work anymore? Now, some people think that day will come when you retire. But what I have discovered from talking to people who have retired is you, it appears to me that you may work harder when you retire than you did when you worked. And so even when we retire in this life and quit work, we still don't get any rest. And then you get grandkids and great-grandkids, and there's always something to do. And so there's no real rest. I mean, those things are fun and good. But what we really, what we really long for is a day that we, that we can rest. Physically, at least, we long for that. But not just physically. I mean, we want that physical rest, praise the Lord. But spiritually, we want rest. Because, because it's a struggle, right? In this world, every day we wake up. And if we know the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit indwells in us, and we know what's right and wrong, but we still have to battle it, right? Every day there's those temptations. We still have to make the choice to do what is right and what is wrong. We still sometimes have our faith that is shaken from something we go through. We still sometimes have to go through affliction and persecution. And so all of these things are, are a burden to us physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. All of these things are a struggle. And it's hard for us to rest in the midst of those things. And so that's one reason why we long for the day that we get to be with the Lord. Because when we receive our reward that Paul speaks of here, <clears throat> on that day is a day that we will find rest. It'll be a good rest. And so he encourages them, encourages them, and encourages them with these words. That even though now you go through persecution, have no fear, look forward to the day that rest is coming. And when will that rest come? Have we reached that rest now? Well, I do not believe we have reached that rest now. Uh, perhaps there are some Christians who would who would argue that this verse uh is already occurred in Jesus Christ, that we're already in that rest. But, but I think that this is speaking of a better rest. Now, that we do rest in Jesus Christ, praise the Lord. There is freedom in Jesus Christ. There's joy in Jesus Christ. There's deliverance in Jesus Christ. There's, there's all of these things in Jesus Christ. But, but I would venture to say that, that, that none of us are resting in the way that we ultimately desire to rest. And I believe that that rest will only come when we are with Jesus Christ. And Paul says, this will take place. What? This reward of rest. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his powerful angels. So this appears to me 
to be something that is yet to come. Because I don't believe that Christians have entered that type of rest yet. But it is a rest that is coming. Now, this would kind of fit with the rest of the theme that we've seen through First Thessalonians. Because part of their concern and things that they're dealing with that Paul is addressing is the coming of the Lord. And Paul appears to be saying here that, hey, look, speaking of the coming of the Lord, when the time comes that there is the coming of the Lord, that's when those who afflict you will be dealt with. That's when judgment will take place for those who have rejected God and afflict you. But that's when rest will take place for you, when all things are said and done, when Jesus Christ returns with his angels. On that day, rest will be established for all of eternity. Verse 8 taking vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God. Okay, so this is what's going to occur. This will take place at the revelation of the Lord Jesus from heaven with his angels. And what will be the result of that? He will take vengeance with flaming fire on those who don't know God and on those who don't obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. These will pay the penalty of eternal destruction from the Lord's presence and from his glorious strength. In that day, when he comes to be glorified by his saints and to be admired by all those who have believed because our testimony among you was believed. So this is, this is good news for the saints of God, but it's bad news for those who reject Jesus Christ. It's rest for those who are in God, but it's eternal destruction for those who reject Jesus Christ. And so this is encouraging. In the midst of their affliction, Paul says, hang in there, you will win. Hang in there. At the end of all of this will be rest. You will be delivered. Your enemy will be destroyed. So stand firm. We have to remember that. As bad as things get for us here, and it's hard for us to know how much we can take, but we have to, we have to hope that we will be those who can take a lot of affliction and persecution, that we do not turn from the Lord, but we stand, stand firm in the Lord. Again, it's easy for us to say now, but... Maybe our prayer needs to be, God, help me to be one who will stand. Even if I think my faith is strong, don't let me deceive myself. But help my faith really to be strong in Jesus Christ. And in words of encouragement like these we see in 2 Thessalonians 1. <clears throat> Verse 11. And in view of this, we always pray for you that our God will consider you worthy of his calling and will by his power fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ will be glorified by you and, and you by him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is Paul continuing to do? He says, and in view of this, we always pray for you that our Lord will consider you worthy of his calling. And by his power, God is going to deliver. By his power, God is going to be with them. That they're going to stick with God. That God's going to stick with them. And so Paul continues to pray for the people of Thessalonica. And we need to do the same thing. We need to pray for each other, that we would be strong enough to stand whatever comes against us. But we also need to pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, maybe in other churches or in other places of people that we know. Maybe we know churches where, where, where problem is going on. Maybe we just want to pray, hey, God, there's no problems going on here. There's no problems going on anywhere else. But, God, we pray for this body of believers at this church. We pray for this body of believers. God, we pray for our missionaries. We pray for preachers and, and teachers who are overseas, whose lives are on the line. God, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ that they will continue to stand firm and do the work because that's what God calls us to. 
The enemy wants us not to do the work. The enemy wants us to stop doing the work. But God says, keep doing the work. And it's up to us to do the work. We are the ones that God chose. We are the vessels. We are the means by which God has chosen to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's not to say that God may not sometimes act miraculously. He very well may act miraculously and reveal himself and his word to people. But ultimately, uh, God calls us uh, more times than not to be his hands and feet and to do his work. And so whatever we may go through, let us be those like the people of Thessalonica who have been found faithful to stand by the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you. We thank you for your good words. I pray that you bless these words, and I pray that we would get some strength from them, dear Lord. Maybe there are times that we face persecution. Maybe even right now tonight, dear Lord, there's somebody who's facing some persecution or some, or some hardship, dear Lord, some tribulation, and it's hard for them to stand up for you, but I pray that you'd give them the strength and your words and your encouragement, dear Lord, that you would help them, dear Lord, to stand firm. Help us to be ready for whatever may come our way, dear Lord. Help us not to be deceived and think our faith is stronger, but God, our faith is strengthened when we seek you, when we seek your word, when we are obedient to you. So, let us be those who are always being strengthened in our faith so that we can be those who will stand by you, dear Lord. I thank you for this, this church. I pray, God, that you would help us to do your work and to, to do good work for you, dear Lord, but never so people would boast in us. God, if people boast because of what we do, then glory be to you. But God, let us <coughs> never be those who seek uh, the boasting for ourselves, dear Lord. I pray that you bless this church, bless these people. Help us to be those who stand strong in the faith, dear Lord. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.